Like it's just such a overwhelming emotion that you experience. That's cool. And then to watch it all like happen, watch the tarpon like turn and eat your fly in strip set and then it jumps and soars out of the 140 pounds. Like it's like a movie. What's going on, everyone? I'm Nils Mitnick, and this is the Backcountry Podcast, a show aimed at providing insight into the outdoor industry by interviewing people who operate within it. For today's guest, we have Cheyenne Orvis, an angler, mother, and all-around outdoor enthusiast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Good. All of a sudden, I got a little nervous. <laughs> it's <laughs> all good. You know, we'll kind of like, we'll get into the mix of it. Um, okay. So your your fly fishing season's probably just starting to pick up, right? Yeah. Um, I'm I don't fish, but I saw there was a lot of snow this year. There's probably a lot of water. Yeah, high flows. So kind of expecting the season to push back a little bit and be maybe early July, hopefully we'll be on the water. But yeah, as of right now, water's pretty big and dirty, yeah. not super fishable. Okay. All right. Um, and I kind of just want to get into something out the gate. I, um, again, as I said, I don't fish, but I recognize the name Orvis as a fishing brand and you fish and your last name is Orvis. Is there a connection there? There is. So I'm a descendant of the original Orvis family. So a little bit of the background, um, I'm directly correlated to Roger, which is Charles' brother. And then Orvis was sold in the 60s. So I didn't really grow up in it. My family are avid fishermen, but um, no, didn't. I don't own Orvis. <laughs> I don't have any of the, you know, all the fun perks of it. But Perkins family bought it out in the 60s. And then I feel like they've really made Orvis to like what it's known as today. So mm. that's cool. That's really cool. Pretty cool to watch. Yeah. And we're, um, you know, I was kind of doing a little research before getting into the interview. You grew up in like a fishing family, right? And where, where was yeah. that exactly? So Flip, Michigan. And we had a little lake house in northern Michigan on the lake. So we spent a lot of time fishing at the end of the dock with my family. And everyone would go out on little uh, like John boats and try to catch bass and pike. And I feel like that's just kind of what we did. Yeah. And now, you know, growing up and eventually finding yourself in Colorado, right? Yeah. What was that... Um, did you go there specifically for fishing or was it like a school choice or did your family move or something like that? How'd you end up in Colorado? Yeah. So a little bit of the background, spent a lot of those early years fishing with my family. Mm -hmm. Things got a little more challenging, rocky around 12. Both my parents struggled with addiction. So then I moved into foster care and I spent from like 12 to 17 moving around a lot. And I think like any time I could get outside and explore, that was kind of like my super grounding place that kept me sane. My sister is 11 years older. And at that time she was like already out of the house. And at 17, I went and lived with her for a couple months. And she was like, all right, like college is in your future. And like, here's what's next. And I think that kind of made me panic because I didn't do well in school. I just had a really hard time focusing. Um and so I like opened up a credit card and bought a one-way plane ticket to Colorado, found a job as a lift operator in Snowmass, and they offered employee housing and just kind of winged it and figured it out. And once I moved there, I was like, wow, there's so much to do here and there's so much to see and expose yourself to. And it's a lot better than Flint, Michigan. So I stayed and I've been there ever since, nine years later. Wow. 
I did not know that. That's um, that's really impressive. Because yeah. honestly, you could see, you know, that that time in foster care is like, I'm sure that was super turbulent and had, you know, that's just a lot of uh, trauma to kind of unload as a kid. And were you able to like still find like at least like continuity or some common ground with fishing or spending time outside during that time period? Or were you ever like in places that you had zero access? I feel like I always like tried to find, even if there isn't access to it, right? Like you always have like park and trees and like anything that you can go and find solitude in. Um, but foster care kind of works like the first place you go to is like family. So I bounced around with like different family members who would take me in for a little while. I'd like sleep on their couch. Um, and eventually I was just like, I was a pretty troubled kid. So I was really tough for a lot of these people to kind of have around. So I just kept kind of moving around to anybody who was willing to take on the Cheyenne challenge. Um, but through all of that, like there was always woods, like especially in Michigan, like it's a very wood dense tree population. So like I would go and explore in like the little creeks and um, build forts and steal other people's hunting ducks and put them in my fort and then get in trouble. But that's a story for another day. Wild. Really wild. And yeah. then um, so you're in Colorado and you're a lifty. You said you were there to try snowboard, right? Yeah. <laughs> How'd that go? I loved it. I love, I feel like I love a lot of things. So just as much as I love fishing, I love skating and I love snowboarding and dirt bikes. I like, I'm down to try anything that anyone's willing to be like, Hey, you should try this out. But snowboarding is what initially brought me to Colorado. And I spent a lot of time in the park and just being like, I think it was the first time I was truly ever really passionate about something. It was my own like passion because growing up and fishing it was like this is like what my parents did and like my grandpa I didn't really have like a lot of positive associations with it um so snowboarding was just like a really cool outlet for me to yeah find myself in the mountains and to disconnect be yourself yeah and then how you know was there kind of a, a turning point then because I you know it's almost I have a, not an entirely similar experience, but snowboarding for me has just been a part of my life, my yeah. entire life. And rock climbing was kind of this thing that was, I discovered, quote unquote, when I was 17 or 16, right? And it was, no one else in my family did it. And I was kind of like my thing to like form my identity and like do all these things. But I've still circled back to snowboarding with so much appreciation. It seems yeah. interesting that like, You've maybe <clears throat> done a similar similar uh, journey with your fishing because, like, when you went to Colorado, were you – it just seems like such a pursuant uh, task, fishing. You yeah. know, it takes so much, like, attention and dedication and practice and skill. Was there a time that you kind of decided that you wanted to dive back into it and, and pursue it in a more professional sense? I feel like sometimes stepping away from something, right, and then going into a different venture, it, like, reminds you of why you love it. So, like, I had to step away from fishing and primarily conventional fishing. Like, I dabbled in fly fishing, but not to the extent of, like, being in Colorado. So then now I'm 18. I'm in Colorado and, and like, summer rolls around and I my exposure, I had zero perspective when I lived in Flint, Michigan. So it's not like, oh, Colorado has all these things. It was like, 
every day I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like, oh, all these people have fly rods and they fish here and they're like under 50 years old. That's super rad. So then, yeah, it was there snowboarding all winter and then summer rolled around and I'm seeing people fish on the river and I'm like, oh, there's fly fishing here. Like, this is so cool. And like met a handful of people who are willing to show me the ropes and help me understand Colorado's fishery and and really dive into the sport. So that's cool. And yeah. What was it about fly fishing? Because from an outsider's perspective, I, I also feel like I would choose fly fishing over traditional fishing. And I, I don't really know why. I don't know if it's just because it's like cooler right now or, yeah. or what, but what was it for you that drove you to, to fly fishing specifically? So with conventional fishing, your traditional fishing, it's like, you're fishing still water, you're throwing out a bobber, and you're just kind of like waiting to see if anything happens. And I think with fly fishing, what gravitates me to that, what's so exciting about it is like, it's kind of like hunting. So you're usually walking on the river, especially where the fisheries that I'm, I'm in, you're walking upstream and you're like sight fishing. So you'll see fish in a, sitting in a seam and then you'll see them come up and like sit bugs on the surface. And then you're like going through your fly box and trying to determine like, okay, well, what are they eating right now? What are they? You're, it's so consuming because your entire thought process, like you don't have the ability to like really think about a whole lot of other things. Like you're having to sit and think about, okay, how do I get this trout to eat something? <laughs> um, and then seven hours goes by and you're like, oh my God, I've been staring at this fish for like, you know, all day long. It's so cool. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a parallel to that with uh, snowboarding, right? Like it re- it requires your like entire, your entire presence and like your, you know, consciousness to, to be there and focus on like the task at hand, whatever that might be, right? Be truly like, present. Be truly present. And then I, you know, I, I could imagine that with that, there's also a pretty like therapeutic aspect that you're able to just to like disconnect, you know, it's, it's sort of what I think about, like when I can go climbing or snowboarding and like disconnect from everything else going on and everything else just like dissolves and you're focused on one task. Yeah. But it's so rejuvenating because I think especially when we live in a day and age where it's like you have so much weight and responsibility and so much that you're constantly thinking about to be able to find something that you love that truly allows you to like disconnect and be present. And then sometimes I'll sit on the bank and I'm like watching fish rise. And those are the moments where I have the ability to like reflect on my trauma or reflect on life and like who I want to be and what I want to do and the impact I want to have. So it's kind of beautiful. You get best of both worlds, I think in fly fishing in particular. Yeah. I know there's kind of that, like, I guess, as you're sort of saying, right, like there's so much instant gratification in our world. And then to have something that requires seven hours to maybe have no results. Yeah. Takes, takes a lot. It's humbling. Yeah. It's super humbling, like, Shit, right? Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, you're in Colorado, you get introduced to fly fishing. And when was there, was there ever this kind of like aha moment that you decided you wanted to find work within the f- fly fishing industry or like become a guide? Yeah, I think at that age in particular, right? I'm like trying to survive, pay my bills in a really expensive place to live. And I don't have support. I don't have family help. Like I'm trying to do this on my own. Um, So like, I feel like I've always been kind of scrappy. I'm like, all right, I got to hustle. I got to work hard. So like, what am I going to do to be able to eat something more than ramen noodles? Um, So I've worked 
a bajillion various jobs. And then, you know, the community that I was around, I just saw this like really strong guide community. And I was like, I knew that I wasn't ready at that point, but within a couple of years, I was like, okay, I want to give this a shot and ended up working in a fly shop and, and then transitioned over to guiding. And, um, I feel like I'm pretty strong willed. So, you know, whatever avenue I see, I'm like, oh, this would be really cool to try. I'm just like down to try everything. And I love talking. I love connection. I love sharing what I love with other people. So it just kind of made sense. So I'm glad I found it because I love what I do. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be an easy uh, avenue to pursue, especially in an area like that region of Colorado, where I'm sure it's pretty competitive. And there's probably a lot of people that are very passionate about fishing, good at fishing, and then also motivated to try get into the industry. And, you know, it almost seems like, yeah, your, your like work ethic was a huge attributing source. Yeah. I was dating a guy at the time who was a guide and that kind of like, I mm-hmm. think sparked a little bit of the desire to become one. Mm-hmm. But I remember like sitting at the bar with him and all of his buddies, it was like, I don't know, like 14 of them, like all of them would go to the bar afterwards and drink. <laughs> and I just was like, if I want to be a guide, how can I be different than all the rest? And I saw what they prioritized and I just was like, all right, I'm going to prioritize something different and I'm going to attract the people who are looking for that kind of experience. So more than just how many fish can I put in the boat, it's like, let me show you our gold medal fisheries and like how beautiful these places are and like disconnect, you know, and give you an opportunity to like learn the sport. Cause a lot of times in guide trips, it's like, you don't, you get a guide and you don't learn anything, but in any other sport, it's like you get a snowboard instructor, you learn how to snowboard. And in fishing, it's like you get a guide and like they just put you on a ton of fish. So my approach is like, Ben, like, yeah, what do you want to take away from today? Like, what do you want to learn? What do you want to focus on? Because there's so many different streamer fishing, dry fly fishing, nymphing, Euro nymphing. There's so many different like approaches to a river. So really being able to like dive into like what somebody is looking for and then tailoring their experience around that so and you'll, you'll like talk to that person directly be like all right day one like totally what are you like I it's almost like you're up, like a coach or something yeah. like what are your objectives totally, today? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I call them up the night before I'm like all right you know I'm excited to fish with you and here's what I'm thinking is there something particular that you want to work on or something that you'd like to learn and half of them are beginners so you're walking through like how to fight fish and how to rig up your rod and like why I'm using the bugs that I'm using and like I don't know kind of sharing with them so that they feel like they if they wanted to do this by themselves tomorrow they could get a rod and Mm -hmm. you know maybe sort of figure it out but yeah have you had have you had that happen that like either people come back and they've kept pursuing fishing because of their experience with you or they'll like reach out to you again and be like you changed my life or something like has that happened totally really totally I think like I mean a lot of my clients now are repeat clients so it's like people that I feel like family you know like this is their Colorado vacation they don't have rivers where they live so like this is their escape half of them I feel like are totally comfortable fishing on their own but they like just want to go and like hang out and have fun and like learn something new um or like, especially with social media being a, a tool, like a lot of times people don't tell me that day, like, wow, this had such a profound impact on my life. It's like later on, they'll be like, you know what? I really needed that. Like, I really needed that trip. Like that conversation was so, you know, healing, was so ther- therapeutic. Like that 
fish that we were targeting for so long. Like I, I learned so much. So it's really cool to be able to reconnect with people later on and like they express their gratitude for mm-hmm. their experience. And then it's like my why like continues to propel me to, yeah. to do more because you, that should be like all of our goals to like impact and touch other people. Yeah, totally. That's powerful. I mean, are you pretty psyched on guiding? Do you see yourself guiding for a long time? I was thinking about that today because now I'm tri- now I'm a mom, mm-hmm. so it looks different. So guiding used to be like you guide every single day, you don't take a day off, like you're really putting in the work. And now guiding has shifted for me because I can't guide every single day, and and I'm juggling, you know, motherhood and also this career that I love. And and now I'm recognizing like I'm not going to make any money. Like I was doing the math, and it's like by the tra- by the time Coulter is in daycare for eight hours. And I'm gone on a half day wage trip. Like I was subtracting all the expenses for the day. And it's like I walk home with like $43 to be away from my kid all day and like to go and guide. So it's like now I have to look at it and be like, all right, how do I continue to guide? Maybe not rely on that solely for my income and just show up for the people that I love and have a connection with and want to go fish with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like such a... I don't know, intimidating, but also like you've come, you've accomplished a lot, right? And like, you've kind of overcome, like, it seems like plenty of struggle and obstacles. And if I, from what I'd be able to gather, you're, uh, you know how to solve problems. <laughs> I know. I hope so at this point. I'm not and like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I was curious about that because, you know, s- snowboarding is not dissimilar and I don't have a kid, but you have to be present to be doing your job. You're not like, you can't like be on the computer and like clock out for the day and then like you're back home or something like totally. that. Um, and a lot, you know, the fishing guys that I know, they're they're away for weeks, months at a time. And you know, like, I mean, I guess you're still, you're still just so soon into that transition. I know, I'm still figuring right? it out. There's no <laughs> definite answers. I think it weighs on me a lot though. Like, what is this chapter going to look like? Yeah. And for me, it's something that I've really, I've been taking care of kids since I was like 11 years old. So motherhood doesn't feel super like new to me. Like it feels mm, like a territory mm-hmm. that I feel really comfortable with. That's good. So I feel like that's been really helpful to be able to, you know, understand children and, and how I want to show up as a mom. And what's been really important for me now, especially with motherhood and guiding is like, I really want culture to grow up and like be like see his mom as a really strong woman who like worked really hard and like continued to live a life around what she loves. And like, I think that's really an important example to set and a role model that like, I want, you know, to like for him to, to see and witness and experience. So I don't want to necessarily step away from anything. I really want to like, just really tailor it so that what I'm focusing my time and attention on is really impactful. So maybe that doesn't, that's not guiding 120 days a season. And right now it's going to be three days a week, you know, which is pretty Less. minimal in the yeah. Yeah, grand yeah. scheme of things, but that might just be right now. Yeah. And that might evolve as time goes on. Yeah, totally. And it's like, there's got to be other guides with kids too, oh, right? But I think most of them are men. Yeah. So like there aren't a lot of female let's get into that. guides who have who have kids. There's one in Vail that I know of and I should re- probably reach out to her and see how she balances all of it. Her and her husband own an outfitter and they've got a she's like 4 or 5 now, little girl. Um but it's like definitely I'm starting to I hate to sound like a too much of a feminist, but like you 
are not set up for success. Like I'm like looking at like how much I have to pay for daycare and help. And then the guilt and shame of like me pursuing my passions and like still being a guide and then, you know, getting backlash from other people. Like, why are you traveling? Why are you hosting trips? Why are you doing this? You're a mom now. Like as if becoming a mom means that I can't have a life of my own. I can't pursue the things that I love. So I'm really glad you're getting into this because it's kind of like segueing into like an area I, I'm like interested in is that, you know, there is like societal expectations that like as a mother, you will be like home and available. But yeah. like historically, it's extremely common that like dad's the traveling salesman, dad's gone all the time. And like even, I mean, I don't want to have this come across corny, but there's like this, uh, there's a show I was watching for a little bit that like it was just like some fi- fictional show, but like it was kind of touching on this aspect that it was about a, a woman in the 50s who was trying to become a comedian. And she has like a five-year-old son or something like that. And she gets like a bunch of backlash from people being like, how are you leaving your kid at home? But like, if the roles are reversed, no one would ask any questions. I know. You know? And that's, yeah, something that I feel like you were just kind of, you were touching on. And if you want to chat more about it, I'm I'm like very interested to get your perspective on it. I mean, I'm very interested in to see how how we're doing it all. Because right now I feel like I've, I have been traveling a lot and if I, and and it, it's the support that I'm leaning on. So like the support from my partner, Aaron and his dad, like his dad has been phenomenal. He's like, Hey, like your dreams and your career is really important. I love watching you thrive and succeed. And like, however I can show up for you, like I'd love to like allow me to, That's awesome. which has been amazing, but not everybody has that. So it's great for like my hosted trips. Like I'm in July, I'm going to Belize and I'm still deciding if culture is going to go with me on that trip. And um, some of them he'll travel with me on some of them he can, cause it'll just be a little bit more challenging, but where I can get the support, I think it's important to like lean on that. And if there's any advice that I can give to moms that are navigating it, the biggest thing has been that it's like, don't be afraid to ask for help, which is so tough. And don't be afraid to, to lean on other people, even if it feels like kind of like a burdensome, because I think there's that weight and that guilt of like, I must do it all. And it's like, you don't have to do it all. And yeah, wherever I can be like, all right, can you help me with culture in this arena? Or like, I'll do this shift and you do that. And like communicating and mm-hmm. still trying to, you know, find time for the things that make you happy. Yeah. Because it's important. It's yeah, so totally. important to like, in order to show up for culture, I have to show up for me. Exactly. You know, and I think that's something that you can kind of, maybe from a societal perspective, right? People can lose track of is that they're like, it's a balance that doesn't seem easy to find, but you can find it, right? Where it's yeah. like you as Cheyenne are like just as important and deserving of your time as culture is, right? And sort of that like, it's not like you can pivot your entire life like to just accommodate someone else. Cause then at that point you're like doing yourself a disservice yeah. and then like you might start falling apart and like that'll just like compound. Which I think is the norm. <laughs> Which is I kind of the norm. Totally. Most I think women like, do that. And then most yeah. women I meet and I have conversations with, they're like, oh, I just love your life and like everything you're doing. And I'm like, but it's important to find what makes you happy and do that too. And like challenge your partner to show up because I think most men, it is a little uncomfortable not to throw them under the bus, but like, you know. No, completely. I, I, think, I would say like, Yes. <laughs> totally. And I think, um, I don't know, I think it's just, it's so important and it's not talked about enough. And I hope that we can, women can kind of 
step up, recognize that like most women are burnt out and it, being a mom, being a parent in general is really exhausting and like really challenges your patience. And yeah, when you can take some time to like go for a bike ride or like go climbing or go refill your cup, like when you're in those moments of chaos and stressful moments, like you can take a deep breath and be like, all right, my bandwidth, I have much more of a bandwidth to deal with this right now than I would if I was five days straight of 24 seven taking care of your kiddo and not being able to like come up for air. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. So. Well, that's cool. I'm excited. I think you, I think you'll be a really good, uh, example of kind of helping redefine what new age motherhood can yeah. sort of can sort of look like right I'm not doing anything new there's a lot yeah. of awesome women out there who are already paving that path but I hope yeah. that I can you know be a voice for other moms who are stepping into motherhood too because mm-hmm. it is a kind of a daunting yeah new chapter I guess new age I meant like within the last 50 years or yeah. something. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, well, before like 1960, <laughs> from my like understanding, I don't, even though yeah. I wasn't around then. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to, I want to get into um, some of the clinics you've yeah. been doing and specifically if we could talk about Ladies on the Fly and yeah. what that is and how that all came about. So Ladies on the Fly is an event that I was doing every single year and it's been a little bit, I haven't planned this year's. I mean, kind of COVID paused that, but it's essentially just an event that introduces fly fishing for women. And it's a safe learning environment that's really conducive and just supports them stepping into the space because it's a male dominated sport. And I think a lot of women are kind of, you know, intimidated to like walk into a shop and like get the gear that they need or go out on the river. And there's a lot to learn and a lot to know. And I think that in itself is a little intimidating for really anybody, right? Like what rod do I get? What gear? How do I know what flies to use? So I think it's just a really good space to have a lot of that, that conversation. Like, here's what you can expect. Like, here's the resources, like lean on me, lean on all these women that you're, that you're meeting today. And hopefully just to get more women out on the water and like to see when I started ladies on the fly, like six years ago, just in six years, I am seeing so many more women, not because of my event, but just because this whole movement of, of women in the fly fishing space and in the outdoor space, I think brands and people have just done a really good job at making it more inclusive. So it's really cool to see that that shift in the industry because yeah women are cool oh, yeah. <laughs> they deserve to be out there <laughs> yeah everyone deserves to be out there of course <laughs> yeah I mean it's I think that's awesome because even myself you know coming from snowboarding it there's a lot of dudes there's a lot of like masculine energy typically and then like I get intimidated by fishermen where I'm like my idea of like a fly fisherman is just like gruff gnarly they like whiskey like <laughs> kind of like, accurate lu- like <laughs> not cold beer but like kind of lukewarm cold beer <laughs> you know they're just That's like so funny dirty people yeah. you know like just rugged right and then like so you think all my all my people in my sport were dirty we're dirty make no dirty is the wrong i'm word. just kidding don't, I'm don't kidding. cancel me for that I'm but kidding. just like just like gnarly like outdoors outdoors yeah. folk right and like which is cool, but I also feel like, um, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, like my assumption is that there's maybe a lot of like, yeah, masculine energy, maybe like mansplaining, like 
kind of taking place and stuff like that. Did you sort of get met with a lot of that when you're getting into fly fishing? And is that sort of like what helped inspire you to do something like Ladies on the Fly? I think that I totally experienced a lot of that. It was yeah. more of like, because I don't really tolerate mansplaining. I've got a strong, Solid. like, yeah. opinionated personality. So, like, I think anyone who, like, Good. meets me knows that, like, I'm not, like, you know, super, like, quiet and soft. And you can just kind of, like, walk all over me. I think what I got was, like, who do you think you are? Why are you on the river? You're not knowledgeable enough to be here. You're not knowledgeable enough to be a guide. A lot of, like, people telling me I don't belong there. So that was, I think, a lot of the driving force behind Ladies on the Fly and creating, like, women-focused events because I was like, no, 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 we do belong here. And I'm going to, like, hopefully encourage more women to get into the space and, like, own their truth and to show up and, like, outfish the boys. But it is interesting because I think I have had a lot of, like, I have dabbled in a lot of other sports, and I don't know if I've really necessarily experienced as much, like, kind of, like, ego and, like, this... And that super masculine energy, it's I had not welcoming. And I feel like, I don't know, do you ever feel like that in snowboarding? Like, I know you're a guy, but have you seen women experience that as much in, mm. in that space? It just doesn't seem as like. No, I think it's like before my time. Yeah. Uh, which I'm so you guys have already for. kind of like overcome that. Yeah. And I feel like fishing, we're just getting into it. Like, yeah. Like, whereas like all these other outdoor spaces evolved maybe like 15, 20 years ago. Like we're in it, we're now starting to like catch up with it. So I think a lot of women have gotten backlash because of social media or like taking photos or like I like to curl my hair and like put on a little bit of makeup and like look cute sometimes. And I think when you're in the fly fishing space, there's like one way to do things, one way to look like you wear your SPF 50 sun shirt with like the hood up, your face covered, like you don't show your hair, you know, like it's just, it's so crazy to me because it's like no you can like wear what you want to wear and like look how you want to look and that's just like a whole new concept to to fly fishing and we're like seeing that breakthrough right now so it's been interesting to watch it evolve well that's badass to be a part of also changing yeah helping it evolve too I hope I hope I'm having a positive impact on this sport. yeah (laughs) (laughs) you don't know until you like look back and you're like okay I hope that I touched enough people and inspired enough people that because I think if you had this conversation with a lot of men in the space, they'd probably say differently, mm. you know? They'd mm. be like, this girl's ruining fishing, or she's, mm. like, bringing all these people who don't belong. They're fishing for the wrong reasons because they want to, you know, invalidate why we're here. It's just nonsense. I know. <laughs> I could rant for, like, an hour. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, let's dive into it. No, no you're doing, you're doing so good. Off. Yeah. Luckily, you're none of them are probably going to listen to it, so... <laughs> Is the is the trip to Belize a ladies on the fly trip? It is not, but I'm uh, so because of the film project with Leandra and Laura and Rachel. Now we're inspired to like go and do a little bit of saltwater fishing. They've never saltwater fished, mm-hmm. so I'm like, well, we should go and plan something. So now I feel like I've created a little bit of a friendship with these girls. They're so rad to be around, and I'm gonna go and share what I love, which is trout for a really long time, but. What gets me going now is like saltwater fishing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let's get you in Belize. Let's go bone fishing and tarpon fishing. Yeah. I'm like excited to like watch me ruin their life a little bit. They're going to be so stoked. <laughs> it's life changing. When you step into the saltwater fishing world, there's like nothing like it. How come? I don't know. I think trout is meditative and like saltwater fishing is like 
kind of this like extreme, the adrenaline aspect is super extreme. So when you're on a flats boat and you're tailing and like, I'm sorry, when you're in like two, three feet of water and you're watching tailing permit or like 140 pound tarpon roll, like that just like gets your heart pounding and it's like 200 feet out. So you're watching it get closer and you're watching it feed and you have all this time to like get your line wrapped around on your reel and to like all these moments where you could just like fuck up before you even get the shot to make your cast. Sorry about the language. Go, it's, go, yeah, <laughs> it's, um, there's just like nothing like it. It's so cool. I think I like black out almost every time before, <laughs> I, which is like not healthy, but I like, uh, it's just so cool. Like, it's just such a overwhelming emotion that you experience. That's cool. And then to watch it all like happen, watch the tarpon like turn and eat your fly in strip set and then it jumps and soars out of the 140 pounds like it's like a movie it's is so it just cool. like the the size speed and strength of the tarpon that make it so exciting because i'm yeah. like i again i don't fish i don't know yeah. we can maybe like count how many times i'm gonna say that in this podcast but it's um it's like a majestical like creature i know of it's, tarpon fishing yeah and like people will dedicate their like livelihood to it if i had enough money i would yeah, I would I would get a flats boat and I would pull every single day and just go for a tarpon permit. And <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. How do I make that happen? Yeah, oh, that'll be cool. Wait, so Belize is that a like we're a just getting trip? A, we're just getting a bunch of girls together to like go and have a good time, saltwater fish. Yeah, not an event. Kind of that like a project or anything or just yeah, to- we're gonna try to make it one. We're gonna try to get some companies on board to help yeah. you know create some content around girls getting after it and and the salt, but. I think first and foremost, it's just like giving Laura and Leandra the opportunity to go and mm-hmm. try a different fishery. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about, I guess let's talk about those two because you had, you fished with them in the past, right? Yeah. No, this just uh, on the Green River. Yeah. That was my first time meeting them, fishing with them. Mm-hmm. And it was like so surreal. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, very rarely, like, because there is so few women in the space, like do you meet other women who are just as passionate and like knowledgeable as you are. So to be on the boat and we're like talking about like what streamers we should use and like what flies and oh, they're rising and we should fish over there. And like, like that, it was so empowering to be a part of because most of the time I am fishing with men or I'm fishing with women who are getting into the space and I'm holding a lot of space for them to like learn and grow. So to be able to trout fish and be with really knowledgeable trout anglers was cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was so inspiring. There's like, yeah, there is something to be said about just like, I don't know, in a in a group of like your peers, right? And you got yeah. and like everyone is at the same kind of level, and you were just like focused on the task yeah. at hand. And I imagine that'd be like you building a jump with like five other like guys on the same level of like <laughs> snowboarding as you, and you guys just like feel that energy. You're just like vibing, and then you're pushing each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone does something, like maybe you're like, "All right, I'm gonna go a little bit bigger than that." You're like challenging each other to grow. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was like our experience on the boat. Yeah, yeah totally. You know, no, that's, just, yeah, that's a good analogy. That's like yeah. exactly kind of how it happens. Or totally. even like very much so in climbing, right? Because you'll be trying like the same problem or the same route or something. And like everyone's kind of collaborating to help like figure out the movement or like. Yeah. So to do that like, with other girls was like just heightened. Totally. The feeling and the yeah. emotion around it. And then all of us are like kind of goofy. So we were just yeah. like. A total shit show that whole trip. <laughs> like, I don't know how the, in the video they make us look so serious because we were like blasting music, taking shots, like twerking on the front of the boat. We we're like 
going down the river near other boats and people are like, what is going on on that boat? And then we've got the production crew around like filming, like, yeah. but we just couldn't even, we were like so laser focused on each other yeah. and like how much fun we were having. It was the most fun I've had trout fishing in a really long time because so I have cool. kind of evolved over to saltwater fishing. So I do spend a lot of time and attention yeah. on that. So it just reminded me of like why I got into yeah trout fishing. And, Those trips are you know, so fun, aren't they? Oh, so right? much fun. Where you like, like fuels you. I'm mm-hmm. like so stoked. I'm like, I feel more passionate, more inspired than ever. I just had dinner with the girls yesterday. So it was like, I'm like, should I move here? Should I move to Salt Lake City? I mean, this could be maybe my new home. I don't know. <laughs> could be. Also, maybe on a similar note as well on the on the ladies on the fly, I was also curious, you know, you had listed on your website that you did some nonprofit work. Yeah. And then also some like high school programs. What was up with that? Yeah. So the nonprofit is Fish for Change. And essentially that's a program that introduces fly fishing trips all over the world to to students. And it's rooted in conservation. So we'll do like eradicating lionfish, which is an invasive species, mm-hmm. mangrove restoration work, getting involved in the community. So it's just like lacing their passion with fly fishing with like, you know, service and like getting them community like involved and connected to the community and like stuff greater than themselves. So they're impactful trips. Um, So I work a lot with them. And then recently I did a Colorado trip. So we had 17 students from like various high schools in my community and then hosted them on a um, ranch with private uh, fishery access and took all these kids fishing and did some conservation work. We talked about watersheds, macroinvertebrae, and got them casting and catching fish. And I think what's important is just like exposing the next generation to not just fly fishing, but like anything outdoors. Because the more they get exposure to it, the more connected they feel to the resource, the more they'll be inspired to protect it. So I think that's really important to me now, and especially as a mom, right? Like, I really want culture to experience a lot of these fisheries that I've had the pleasure to to go and, and fish and to immerse myself in. So, yeah, the conservation work, I think, is, like, is just so huge. And as someone who has a platform, it's important for me to utilize that platform to advocate for it. So Yeah. No, I think that's super important. And, you know, you, you said it so well, right? Like, and this is something I've been – thinking about for some time is, yeah, maybe the most important thing, one of the most important things you can do at the moment is try to get the next generation just exposed. Totally. Anything outdoors. If that's, if that is walking, awesome, you know, fishing or snowboarding, climbing, whatever, like also cool. Yeah. But yeah, just getting, you know, that, uh, you know, those, those younger individuals exposed and, and also like, it sounds like, educated at the same time that's that's super important totally watching all those kids too by the end of the day just be like so hyped on fishing and so hyped on seeing it click like the big yeah seeing it click and Mm -hmm. then it's like okay cool like hopefully if something happened and we needed them to speak up in five ten years right or they will they'll advocate advocate for for these resources and for our water because now they feel connected to it so yeah, it's cool watching all of it kind of come together. And then in addition to that, I think I want to train, I want to integrate a lot more of that into my hosted trip. So I do hosted travel, which the Belize isn't that, but maybe that's kind of what you were touching on. Okay. Yeah. I take groups to different destinations around the world. 
um, to target primarily saltwater fishing to target various species. And I'm not guiding primarily them in those target. places, but yeah, for my <laughs> <laughs> exclusively those. I'm not guiding them in those places, but I get to like help prepare them for the experience. So it's, I love that. I love being able to go primarily to Mexico and share these like super remote little fishing communities with them and, you know, expose them to a whole different fishery that, you know, they're usually end up being super passionate about. And that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I think, you know, there's something to be said too about it's awesome to appreciate what's in your backyard, but when you can travel somewhere far away and take like that skill set and kind of transplant it into another region of the world, you know, I haven't like snowboarding, right. I can, I get to do that frequently and it's, it's really eye opening and kind of empowering in a way that you get totally to like, empowering. Ex- you know, fish in a new place. And there's just something that like feels very natural and enlightening about it. Yeah. I think getting, stepping outside of our comfort zones, which is challenging for a lot of people to like, to do. And then once you do it, you're like, oh wow, that experience shaped, shaped me so much, like overcoming challenges, which is inevitable when you're traveling. Right. And like uncomfortable moments and new places with a language barrier and like, you know, things not having access to the things that you normally would every day. And I think those moments and those experiences are just so important. Like being able to step outside of your nine to five job, go to somewhere where life it looks completely different. And then I feel like it's kind of humbling. It reminds you of the things that are the most important, which is super simple connection, yeah. conversation, yeah. and just like, being outside and disconnecting from everything else. Like I, yeah. I think I really value those. And anytime I get to go somewhere else, it's like in Patagonia, we like walked down the street and got eggs from the little farm next door. And like everything was a process. It was like after it was like four hours of running errands because you're sitting and like having coffee with someone and talking. And it was just like, that feels so soul enriching for me. So now I'm like, I hope everyone, you know, kind of values those things a little bit more than all the other stuff. Yeah. I think that's super valuable. And, you know, trying to (coughs) share that with other people is, is really um, a cool and powerful thing to be doing because yeah, at the end of the day, they're like, community and having access to spending some time outside is one of the most like some of the most healthy things you can do for like a long happy life yeah and to be able to tap into that and want to share that with other people is really cool yeah sometimes it's hard too right when you have a long day at, (laughs) at work a long week at work and you'd rather like stay cooped up in the house but you feel so much better when you go outside and you go play and like yeah. You know, take some time for yourself. Totally. Or go to Mexico. And <laughs> there I'm feeling you go. inspired. Also kind of, I'm just curious, like what, uh, what's on the horizon? What are you, what are you like looking forward to in the future? You know, you're recently a mom. You, yeah. it seems like your, um, your pursuits with fishing could take many forms. And what's like, what are you psyched on? Where do you want to go? I think guiding I'm super excited to step back into guiding it's been a little about a season so I feel like that'll be really good I always feel really good when I get to connect with more with the people that I love so stepping into that I've got some travel in the next couple months and I let I leave to Brazil in September and I'm taking Coulter so I think just challenging myself to integrate Coulter into all aspects of my life and the hopes that he someday, you know, like experiences all these places and becomes this little well-rounded little human. So (laughs) even though it's really challenging and it's like daunting and doing things with 
without him would be a little bit easier. It's like, I think they're important. So I'm excited to just continue challenging myself and things that make me uncomfortable and, and finding the balance between all the things that I love to do and motherhood and sharing that with him. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. touching. <laughs> You're going to be such a good mom. Oh, thank you. Um, now I have a bit of a curveball question before we kind of wrap this thing up. Yeah. Do you still have a, do you have a bucket list fish? Oh, they for have, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All my bucket list fish are like 20 grand or more to go and experience. So all right. probably let's, someday let's in out, my life. Lay out one of them. Seychelles. For GT, there's such a diverse fishery out there. Have you ever heard of the Seychelles? Seychelles, GT, I, that was yeah. just completely over my head. I'm okay, sorry. well, it's really, really cool. It's a location. You know, honestly, every time someone asks me this, I'm like, I don't really know. I think it's like outside of Africa or something. <laughs> that stuff I'm not good at. Like, you take me anywhere. I will love to like go and experience it and fish it. But if you ask me where I've been or where I want to go, I really don't know. Like, I'm just going to buy a plane ticket and I figure it out is like how that good. works for me. Yeah. I'm not someone who could like look at a map and tell you all the places that I <laughs> like exactly was. It's so bad. I'm going to blame it on the lack of education. Yeah. That's why I didn't do well in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to dive into where it's at, but it, it's worth checking out. Okay. And what's It's there? really hard to get to. I know you have to fly into Dubai and then fly in somewhere else. It takes like three days to get there. And it's just a really cool, beautiful fishery. It's diverse fishery. There's so many species that you can target and it's just super rad. Yeah. Cool. GTs are giant trevally and they're just super aggressive eaters. So they're these like huge fish that like you just cast out a fly and they're just like, charging it. It's really rad. You cool. break a lot of rods. Super exciting. <laughs> so that's definitely a bucket list. And then Bolivia for Golden Dorado. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's exciting. Well, I hope, you know, I hope uh, those two places aren't too far off of your horizon. And again, you know, just I, I'm so psyched we got to like kind of catch up. It was cool getting to hear your story and all that. And I just wanted to like open the floor to see if you had any thank yous you would like to share on your end. Yeah. Thank you to my son, Coulter, for being the cutest little baby around, my partner for supporting me, and his father, Rob, for being just like the best poppy ever, and then all the brands for supporting me. So Hydro Flask, Backcountry Now, I'm super stoked for this partnership, and Ford, among many others, and um, and all the people who follow along on my journey, because I wouldn't be here without them. Awesome. And thank you yeah. for this conversation, for awesome. holding space for me today. Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you. This was great. And also thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you like the show, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And in the meantime, from the crew at Backcountry, we will see you out there. 